You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas. What's going on, Unstucked fam? If you're loving the podcast, be sure to visit unstuck.com for more resources, ways to work one-on-one with me and my company, Unstucked, as well as our free Unstucked guide to help you get unstuck in your career, life, finances, and business. Use code UNSTUCKED for 15% off your entire purchase at coconutwist.com to purchase some delicious gluten-free and vegan treats. I'm so happy you're here for the ride, and now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unstuck Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Dumas. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Bella Lamb. Bella started Coconut Whisk four years ago to help create better-for-you vegan treats and eats. Coconut Whisk is now in 900 stores across the nation, and Bella opened a storefront in downtown Minneapolis in 2021. Bella is an award-winning entrepreneur, wellness educator, writer, and serves on the board of the Minneapolis Downtown Council and volunteers as a mentor through Minnesota Business Venture. Wow, that's quite a mouthful. You're you're quite accomplished. I love that, Bella. How are you? I tried. Thank you. I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Khalil. Of course. And we first connected on TikTok. She's one of those folks that I just immediately had chemistry with. I was like, I have to get a meeting with you. We had a fantastic conversation. So again, thank you for jumping on today. So we'll dive straight in. What's your story? How did you get started with Coconut Whisk? Yeah. Okay. So Coconut Whisk. I... First off, never saw myself becoming an entrepreneur. I really thought that I was going to go into corporate. I was going to have a stable full-time job and, you know, live the life. (laughs) But my last semester of college, I decided to just start a passion project for these baking mixes that I've been creating in my kitchen. And then I ended up selling them. So I ended up selling at farmer's markets And really just got into this whole like plant-based baking, plant-based world after going vegan in my sophomore year. So I really got into that and I wanted to do something else besides my internship and my classes. So it was like one more thing I wanted to add to my list of things I wanted to do because why not? (laughs) I had so many interests and I just wanted to dive into this one. And so long story short, I ended up putting myself into this business competition on campus, signing myself up. And we ended up winning the food division. And that was like my first validation for that idea. And from then on, it was it was just very organic. And so that's kind of the short story of that. But it really started out from this passion for vegan food, for living a healthy, well-balanced life and incorporating that into this passion project that eventually grew into my full-time job. So yeah, it's just very organic and something that I never thought was possible. But here I am. <laughs> that's amazing. And I love that. And that's something that some of my favorite guests have talked about. Gabby, Corporate Chase, you know, we, we've talked about these passion projects that we start that turn into these businesses. We may have a small intention of like, wow, it'd be great to do this every day. But it's just something that becomes a non-negotiable. Like this is something that I want to work on every single day. So tell us a little bit about your vegan story, because I know that that kind of encompasses and kind of is a strong driver into why you started Coconut Whisk. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So I went to school for public health, and that was because growing up, I was really conscious of what I was, well, especially after being on the dance team in high school and then getting involved into yoga and doing that when I was 17. Um, I was just really interested in health and wellness. So going into college, I 
discovered veganism, plant-based eating, and our food system through my peers and professors. And I remember one night, it was over winter break, my sophomore year, I ended up watching this documentary. I think it was Forks Over Knives or Cowspiracy or something like that. And I remember just having like this almost like spiritual awakening or (laughs) this like paradigm shift. And it was, I was crying watching it. And I remember just going down this rabbit hole of research. And the next day I decided to go vegan and oh, it was a really dramatic decision to be honest, (laughs) you know, it's dramatic. And I probably knew like maybe five people who were vegan and they're all in like my program at school. None of my family members were. And so it was a big transition, but I knew that I literally told myself, Hey, I'm a vegan. (laughs) And I knew it wasn't going to be perfect. And I knew it wasn't going to be an easy transition, but I made that decision and I gave myself grace when I transitioned because it's going to take a while to get used to the cooking and the different methods. But once I just decided, made that decision, it's like, that really was a decision that changed my life because it led me to coconut whisk. And so it's like, don't underestimate the power of your intuition and don't underestimate the power of like a decision. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. That's the story there. Well, that's fantastic. I know I attempted to go vegan at some point and I kind of made the mistake of not showing myself grace and trying to be perfect. And so it didn't last very long. But I do remember when I was in that space, how much better I felt and actually kind of led me to have more of a vegetarian diet. So something came out of it. And for everyone listening, Bella has been so kind as to provide a promo code unstuck uh, for 15% off on coconut whisk uh, on her website because she also takes orders. So the description will be beneath this. Something you said really struck me, which is showing yourself grace. I try to tout that message so much. And sometimes I met with glazed over eyes. Sometimes people are like, wow, I never thought of it that way. Can you talk about the importance of showing yourself grace and like why that matters so much? Mm, That's such a great question. We talked about this before. We're like the oldest child, right? (laughs) The oldest sibling. And so growing up, I feel like I had a lot of high expectations from my parents, from my family members, you know, I always was a responsible one. I always was the one that people could go to for advice or for guidance. And I would also have this front where I needed to know it all and I needed to be strong and I needed to deny myself of feeling sad or uncomfortable to, you know, be a certain way. And so when I give myself gentleness, when I give myself space to just feel sad or to feel the emotions that I need to feel, like it makes me become even a better listener, better leader, a better human being, right? Because it's like we're multidimensional. And so we need to give ourselves space for the grind and then also for the rest and for the gentleness and grace. Give yourself space for the grind. I want that to be on a shirt. I want that to be on billboards. I think that was really well said. And you know, I was someone that always didn't show myself grace. I was in the same boat as you where I thought it meant that if I showed myself grace, I was taking my foot off the gas pedal. I wasn't trying as hard as I could. But what I learned and what you just articulated wonderfully was when I started to show myself grace, we know the world's not going to show us grace. I mean, we're still young, but we've, you know, had our experiences. And so if the world isn't going to always show you grace and you don't show yourself grace, right? That's why a lot of people find themselves in midlife crises, right? They find themselves at jobs they hate and relationships they don't like because it all starts with grace and showing yourself grace. Because when you do that, to your point, you allow yourself that space for the grind and you allow yourself to grow. 
And something you talk about a lot is conscious leadership. And I would assume that grace falls right into that. So what does that mean to you? Because I thought that was really interesting when we were kind of talking, you had brought that up. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what it means to be a conscious leader. Mm, What it means to be a conscious leader. Yeah, I think conscious leadership for me means knowing yourself enough and knowing your strengths and then being humble enough to highlight other people's strengths, right? And so just having deep, deep self-awareness and making sure you're a well-rounded leader, right? And so growing up, you know, I started working when I was like 14 years old and I've had a lot of experiences, thankfully, where I, I got to meet a lot of people and I got to be in situations where I was a leader or I was led. And through those experiences and being an observer and a student, I was able to kind of create this philosophy of how I should lead because of that. And I know that when you're conscious, when you know yourself, you're able to just better connect with people and better understand people so that you can give them the resources and shine the light on them and, and make sure that they're supporting their roles. And I've realized that for me, like as a leader, you know, as a CEO and founder of my company, one of the things that I find to be my biggest strength is that I don't have a lot of ego in things. Like I don't need to be the smartest in the room. I am so happy if I'm literally the stupidest person because I have no problem sitting back and listening and learning and and just being a student. And then from that place, I can find people and bring people together under common values and then let them have their moment and, and shine and do what they want to do. And so I think it's just about awareness. It's about being able to be humble, be led, be taught. And then setting the standard and expectations and values for the culture you wanna you wanna create. I love that, and that's that's key, and that's something that a lot of leaders still today, and usually those in these mega corps and these older leadership styles don't do right. Like for example, you have a vegan company, and I know a lot of folks who, and a lot of companies, and even executives, right, who own these companies and aren't vegans themselves. So like right off the bat, you're conscious because you walk that walk, you walk that walk with your consumer, but also. Right, it goes beyond just like I want to sell something to someone. It's no, this is imperative to my mission, and you've been able to align your business with that. Likewise, with myself, with Unstucked, you know, being stuck not only in our country but just as a human is like a human condition. And I just wanted people to be able to have a diverse set of folks to go to and listen to and hear their experiences and hear wonderful folks like you. So, you know, when you talk about leadership, you brought up a lot of things like self-awareness, being humble. And it sounds like you've learned some lessons and some tips about personal development, not only just getting along in the world, but also being, excuse my French, the badass you are and being the CEO of Coconut Whisk. What are some tips and lessons that you've learned either this year or even recently? Because I know I learn lessons every day. Like, what are some personal development tips? You know, we talked about showing ourselves grace. Is there anything else that kind of comes to mind for you? Yeah, so personal development tips. And before that, I wanted to highlight what you said about how I walk the walk as a entrepreneur, as a CEO, instead of just creating products that really don't resonate with who I am. I think that's where the consumer and the collective is heading towards, right, is people who have authentic stories, who stand behind certain values, and then being able to support that. Because I think what consumers want nowadays is, and I think obviously it goes back forever, but today is even more prevalent, is that we want to support brands and represent brands who express a part of ourselves that resonates, right? And so I think that authenticity piece with companies is something that's really important moving forward. Yeah, no, I love that because I think what you're talking about again is 
the personal development piece is imperative to leaders today. And I think that's something that was kind of left in the wind for the longest time. I mean, we've seen, you know, really toxic masculine culture like Wolf of Wall Street be praised, right? We see, right, just folks pinching for dollars to, right, like the Amazon warehouse worker. We hear a lot of stories about that, right? Jeff Bezos is making billions while workers are, are barely scraping by. So I really, when I met you two, I saw this emergence and I look at myself and I look at all my friends in my micro community who were trying trying to walk that walk, build these businesses and put ego aside. And I really have learned a lot of development tips on even myself, right? Like you said, being able to sit back and listen, being able to not have ego, right? And like, those are some of the things that are really important to me. And I really appreciate you sharing some of the things that are important for you. Now, when you know, you're looking four years back, you're taking a look at the market, you've learned a lot. I can only imagine what you've learned about health and wellness. And I'm like all ears, like I'm personally like invested in asking this question, like, what are we forgetting about wellness? Like what parts of the wellness journey do you find like your average consumer is like missing or misunderstanding? I know you mentioned perfectionism as kind of one of those things. Like what else are we missing about our wellness journey? Ooh, I love this question. Yeah. From my perspective, I think wellness right now, it's everywhere. You know, it's a buzzword now, right? And it's like, you can buy a new gadget or you can buy this new detox tea or you can, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or you can get, yeah. you know, you can get this new watch, you know, that's the same model as the previous watch, but just more, you know, more savvy, I guess. And so there, it's like always, there's so much stuff. And so I think what we're getting wrong is that wellness, honestly, is just coming back to yourself and getting comfortable with yourself again, right? We don't need more. I think we need less and we need more quality, right? So more quality time, more quality time with yourself, more quality time with nature, with people, good, good people, and not thinking that we need to consume anything. We don't need to consume any more things. We need to come back to ourselves and be still, (laughs) and get quiet. Yeah, absolutely. And I I love that because I think that's key. And that's something I even, I still do this because I think it's just a habit. It's just the way messaging and marketing and how powerful it is to just really build habits for people. When you bring up wellness to the average person, right, they think about maybe they ordered DoorDash too many times this week, right? They think about, I haven't had a salad in a couple of weeks. But no one ever brings up, right, I have these people around me who constantly berate me, right? Or I have really harsh self-talk to myself. And so that's really, really key. And that's something that why I was excited to have you on the platform, because wellness has been really misconstrued for profit. And it's so empowering to see someone like yourself take that definition, rewrite it, and also empower yourself in the process. So in terms of wellness, like what are some of the priorities for you personally when it comes to your wellness? I know something and it's just a quick productivity hack because it directly impacts wellness. Bella actually only looks at emails at certain times of the day. And I thought that was so genius to have that small nuance. But I want to hear some of the priorities that you put forth for your wellness. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to dive deeper into this. So I recently finished The Atomic Habits. Love that book. Yes, it's so good. And you know, before I was very, you know, loosey-goosey with my wellness practice, I would only do it when business was done and I could fit it into my schedule. Obviously, I have my morning and night routine, but they were very just not fully enriching. And so um, after reading that book and after just like giving myself more time to think through it, I realized that I need to create systems and I need to look at it as not being rigid and not being 
you know, strict with myself, but as a way for me to hold myself accountable and also deepen my wellness practice, it's a form of self-love, right? When you schedule your morning routine, when you schedule your yoga class, when you schedule your meditation, it's like you're promising yourself that you're going to show up for it and it's giving yourself space. And then you're able to say no to things if they, you know, overlap with that. And so I realized that that's a really important thing. And so some non-negotiables I have every single day is my morning routine. I'll just break it down real quick. I love to wake up without an alarm clock. I think in the past, I would force myself to wake up at like 6 or 5 a.m. And I realized that that was not me. Like, I don't like waking up at 5 a.m. I don't like waking up at 6 a.m. Me either. And, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it's like I... And I realized that my body... I'm just more energized at night and that is okay. And now... I'm grateful that I get to kind of be flexible with my time since I, I create my own schedule. But I like to wake up and, you know, get ready, freshen up in the bathroom. And then I always do my movement. So my yoga, meditation, I journal. And then once I'm done journaling, I like to look at my big vision boards and see like, you know, where am I going, right? Like what I'm doing today is part of this bigger plan, this bigger vision. And so I zoom out a little bit and then I zoom back into my planner, my calendar, and then I go after it. With the email thing, I don't check my email until noon. I think the first few hours of your day is so beautiful and, and sacred. And so you want to protect that. I don't check like social media. I don't check my email. I really keep that time to myself and my most important task. You know, there's books about it and stuff, but it really works and it's so applicable and so important. And obviously sometimes you can't do that, but just make sure that you you're giving yourself a time limit, right? And and you're not just scrolling and stuff. I think that's the worst. You want to have an action plan if you want to go on your phone and just do it and then hop off and, and do something else. So redirect yourself. So that's that. And then at night, kind of the same thing too. I do gentle yoga and then I meditate and then do my nighttime journaling. And I like to just hang out. And then I know technology like after 9 p.m. I try to really be strict on that as well. So that is my my morning and night routine that I think everyone needs to have, even if it doesn't look like mine. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I struggle with this. I have ADHD and it's something that I constantly struggle with. You know, some weeks I'm really good at it. Some weeks I'm like, what routine? And I think that I definitely, I'm not alone there. And so I'm already filling up a page of things. I'm like, big vision board. I love that. Like, I love the fact that you praise and cherish your mornings. No alarms is actually something that I'm fortunate to be able to do now. That's something that has actually been really awesome. Uh, and I realize that I actually wake up earlier when I don't put it as a rigid thing. I actually get up at seven and I'm like, oh, like this is this is more natural. Some days I wake up at 10 and I'm like, what just happened? Why am I asleep still? You know, like, oh, no. so it really, it really can like, it can really ebb and flow. But as we're moving through the world, you know, again, the whole reason of this platform is to help people get unstuck in their life, career, finances, and business. So when you're feeling stuck, because obviously that's going to happen in our lives, what are some of the things that you like to do to get going again? I know you mentioned, like, I think part of your routine probably helps you reset, but what are some of those things that you do to kind of help yourself continue your momentum? And what are some of the things you do when you, when you feel that momentum slowing down? So I feel like it's a daily struggle sometimes. <laughs> like I, I, I would sometimes feel stuck on the daily, you know? <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Yeah. Like in the morning I would feel so good. I'm not on my phone. I had my morning routine and then I did my most important projects. And then 
I would eat lunch at noon, check my emails, and then the stress starts building up. You know, you start doubting yourself or something happens, right? And Or you're like, on, you like get on your phone and you're scrolling for like an hour. So it's like a daily struggle. But something practical that helps me on the daily is Mel Robbins talks about this, doing like a five second countdown, right when you get aware of the fact that you're not doing something you should be doing or that is helping you in some way you give yourself a countdown from five, four, three, two, one, and you literally get up and do something else that you know is going to put you down a better path. So doing that, you know, just completely switching what you're doing. So you're not going down this rabbit hole is probably one of the most profound things I've been able to implement in my daily life. So I would say that tell me get unstuck on the daily. And then when it comes to, you know, life in general, I've realized that I would get the most stuck and the most depleted when I don't give myself time for myself. And so, you know, we talked about wellness earlier. So I'm really into the yin and yang energy, you know, the energetics of things and like divine masculine, divine feminine. I really started implementing that into my business last year. And as, you know, a business owner, I'm really into my yang energy. So my masculine energy, you know, I have to think big. I have to create structures. I have to hold people accountable. I have to be disciplined. And so I feel myself the most stuck when I don't lean into my feminine energy, when I don't give myself space to play, to be creative, to spend time with you know friends who aren't in business, who just enjoy life and who, who are artistic, yeah. who are creative. I love that. That's so important. Yeah. And, and so it's like, you don't want to beat yourself up when you're like, oh, I've, I've been working so hard and I've been neglecting myself. You don't want to beat yourself up. You want to just gently tell yourself like, oh, I'm aware that I haven't been giving myself space to journal every night, or I haven't taken a yoga class like I used to, you know, just having that awareness is enough. Having that awareness is progress. When you have that awareness, then you're able to like redirect yourself. And so I I really try to balance all this like business stuff with, you know, nourishing activities. Like I love to, I love to like watercolor. I love to, you know, acrylic paint. I love to read for fun, go out to eat. Just little things like that really just make life so much more beautiful and bright. And, you know, there's a time and space for everything. Just having awareness when you're, you're in need of something and then changing it and then implementing it or putting action behind it is has helped me so much. Wow. I'm like rigorously, I had to put myself on mute here. I'm rigorously taking notes because you just said so many awesome things. Like you're dropping bombs and I absolutely love this. And I I did want to take a second because I do know I have a a demographic that's, you know, anywhere from 18 to, to 24 that's just getting started. And I always, when I listen to these episodes now and I have, you know, this awareness of kind of what you're talking about, like I just wish I could share this with my younger self and something you said that would have helped ease. I know my own angst coming up is awareness is progress. Like I want to just continue to say that. Like that is such a profound thing that you just said. Like I was like, I had to take a second to like, Wow, that's so profound. And it seems like a, such a simple thing, but it's so complex if you really can understand it. Because no one on their to-do list is checking off, be aware of this. Be aware of these things, right? Like we're looking at physical tasks that we need to do. And so, you know, that awareness is progress. Like, wow, like that is, that I want to, like that's a huge thing that I'll walk away with on this episode. And with that is the balance piece, right? I think that really helps balance things out because, 
we're always go, go, go. Got to complete this, got to complete this, do this, right? Where our awareness can be just enough. Something I always share about the importance of meditation, which a lot of folks, you know, are still kind of on the fence about, but I always encourage is, you know, meditation is that space between thoughts. And that is such a sacred space. And it's a space that you're capitalizing on, that you're talking about, right? It is an achievement to be in that space, which is awareness. You know, it's it's in between those thoughts. So, so thank you so much for that. Because I know that like my younger self, I have a little, have a little sister that's, that's 22. She's not really little anymore. But I'm like, I'm going to send this to her. Like, you need to listen to this because awareness is progress. I'm going to put that on my vision board because that is that is key. So as we share these concepts, as we continue to evolve, you mentioned, very smart that you do this, that you limit your time on social media. However, I do know that social media adds to our life. So in what capacity has social media added to your life? And in what capacities has it made it harder? And this is especially important for the youth to kind of hear because it's second nature now. It's a part of them. So can you share a little bit about your own personal experience with social media? Oh, yeah, yeah. Social media. I feel like I owe a lot to social media and then I also owe a lot of my stress and, you know, angst and, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and sadness to it as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So growing up, you know, my family, we are low income. We immigrated here when I was six years old and growing up, we didn't have a lot at all. And so um, that's why entrepreneurship was never in the cards for me. And so early on in life, I learned how to be scrappy. I learned my work ethic. I learned grit from my parents. And so, you know, when I started Coconut Whisk, and I started it with my partner, by the way, um, I didn't mention that, but my partner, Miles, he's my life partner and business partner. Shout out to Miles. Yes, shout out to Miles, raise the roof. (laughs) 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 He is incredible. We just work so well together. He balances my creative, my visionary self, and then he is the integrator. So he does a lot of operations, logistics. And so that's our partnership there in a nutshell. Yeah. Like I was mentioning, I, you know, grew up, you know, with a scrappy mindset. And so when we started Coconut West, Miles and I, we, and Miles grew up in a single mom household as well. So we didn't have a lot of resources. We didn't have capital. We didn't have a huge network. We didn't go to school for business. I didn't go to school for business. He went for psychology. And so in the beginning, we just asked ourselves like, how do we get by with as little as we can? So like, we don't have money, but you know, we do have part-time income from our jobs and our internships. And so I knew that social media was the quickest way I could get the word out about Coconut Whisk, about what we're doing, what we're building. And I shared the journey since day one. I shared the behind the scenes. I shared the business plan, our little kitchen that we're working from. And from there, we grew such a beautiful community and Coconut West would not be here today without that community, without social media to be the entry. The barrier of entry was very low, right? And so, I mean, I owe a lot to social media, but with social media, I feel like it's so easy for you to obviously compare yourself and it's so easy for you to get distracted, right? But if you look at social media from a perspective of this is a place to connect, And this is a place to find people who just get it, who kind of resonate with your mindset, with your frequency, with your perspective on life. Like it is such a tool for community, for empowerment, for, we all know this, like it is just a beautiful tool if we use it right. So 
<laughs> no, I love, I know, know it was great. No, I, it's fantastic. And I know a lot of people, including myself, have had to have resets with social. It's just like any relationship that you have out there, right? It's just as real, except it's just on this massive scale once you kind of enter the matrix, as you will. And it's something that can help you, but also hurt you like anything in life, right? Like even water can hurt and help you. So definitely having that balance is key. And I wanted to talk to you because you have a very unique perspective. And I always kind of joke around with my wife or or fiance. We're getting married in September. So exciting. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I always joke that, you know, she's like my agent. You know, she helps balance me. Talk about being in business with your partner. Like, wow, what an experience. Like, what are some of the the really, really awesome things? And then is there anything, any learnings that you guys have made along the way, kind of working so closely together? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I love this because I love Miles so much and I would not be where I am without him. And we've grown so much. So we knew each other. We're friends for two years. And then we started dating when we're both 18. And early on, I realized that we're complete opposites. And he really was this amazing addition to my life because I wouldn't say I was a whole person at the time. I didn't fully know myself and he didn't know himself, but we came together because there was love there and there was something, right? And so being able to go through college together and then now owning a business together, it has given us so much insight and experience with one another and being able to witness each other grow into our fullest and most truest selves. And it's like the most surreal feeling. I'm just super fortunate to be able to experience this. You know, as we grow, as Coconut Whisk grows, as my personal brand grows, I know that no matter what, even if Coconut Whisk crashes tomorrow, if I lose everything tomorrow, I know that he will be there at the end of the day because he's been there since the beginning. And it's like this genuine thing that it's really rare, I feel like, to have nowadays. And so I I really hold it super sacred. Um, It's super sacred to me and super special. And there's been sacrifices, obviously, like I gave up dating in my 20s and I gave up, you know, partying and that single life. But it's like, I zoom out and I realize that it's just really special. And we wouldn't even be able to be in this position and have a company if we didn't find each other. Because, you know, from a business perspective, you know, some of the best companies are run by two people, you know, one's the visionary and then one's the integrator. And so to be able to have that in our in our personal relationship and then have a professional business relationship is just very interesting. And it's been able to help us exponentially grow in this short amount of time. It's because we've been able to bring our strengths together. I absolutely love that. And that's so king. And, and again, shout out Miles. You've done a great job there. You mentioned something about both of you guys, and I share that with you. I was raised by a single mom uh, on welfare who's now, a, she's a kick-ass attorney and one of the most badass business people I know. When you come from right humble beginnings and you start to really expand your awareness and you start to want bigger things that are not written for you necessarily, imposter syndrome is something that always comes up. It's something that tends to be a struggle because maybe you don't have that baseline. We kind of have it now because we've kind of gone through those peaks and valleys and found our confidence and found our stride. But kind of talk to your 18-year-old self who may not even think that they deserve this. Like, how do you start to address that imposter syndrome? And what are some of the things that you do to keep yourself in check, to let yourself know that that you deserve this dream that you've built? Wow, yeah. I feel like I constantly have to check in with myself and have these self-talks, right? Because it's so easy to be like, who am I to have an opinion on this? Or who am I to 
think that I can speak on this topic, right? I'm not an expert in this, but honestly, if you talk to anybody, they never think they're the expert. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I've talked to Angie's from Boom Chicka Pop. She started her company in her garage in Mankato with her husband, and she grew it to like a hundred sixty million dollar company. Um, wow! And I asked her, I'm like, like, how did you do it? Like, you know what happened? And she was like, I don't even know. Like, I'm surprised I made it here. <laughs> like, she's like, I'm really surprised. Yeah. I'm just as shocked as you are. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's amazing. like, yeah. And so she was just so humble about it. And yet she, you know, the more you dove into it with her, like she knew what she was talking about and she sounded so smart and, you know, but we always self-doubt ourselves. We always like, we never think we're enough. So it's like, Whenever I have like these self-doubts or whenever I feel like I don't deserve to be in certain rooms, I just get out of my head and I go in it with this mindset, this heart of service. And it's not about impressing anyone. It's not about being the smartest. It's about literally just sharing what you've been through, sharing your knowledge in hopes of impacting at least somebody, making somebody's day or helping someone on their journey, right? And so once you get out of your head and once you just stop like feeling like everything is is about you and the spotlight's on you, you realize that no, it's okay to like stumble. It's okay to like say the wrong things. It's it's okay because you'll say the right thing sometimes and that's enough too. So that's been a huge thing when it comes to, you know, feeling like you're not enough. Whew. I was going to give that a second, marinate. Heart of service. That's huge. I think that is something, right? Like Walking into a room with a heart of service, most people walk into a room with anxiety and needing to be perfect. That is my experience, especially in corporate America, especially with new entrepreneurs, especially with people trying to prove themselves. An affirmation I always give on my TikTok is you're already proven, right? And if you want something super bad, imagine that that thing shows up right now. Are you ready? And if you're not, it's not to give you anxiety, but it's to open up and let you balance out where you need to go now, where you need to redirect yourself. So I absolutely love the heart of service. Angie, uh, shout out to you because I would love to have you on the podcast. So Bella, hopefully we can hook that up. But lastly, is there anything in general that you want to leave listeners with other than going to coconutwist.com and using the 15% off promo code and buying some delicious vegan treats? Uh, is there anything in general that, that you want listeners to, to walk away with that you haven't already said? So, you know, being an entrepreneur, it is, again, kind of a buzzword and, a, and something that everyone wants to do, right? To be their own boss, to take control of their time or whatever. But if you realize that that's not you after some self-discovery, after some experiences, you know, your own test trial with entrepreneurship, don't be hard on yourself, right? Like you don't need to be an entrepreneur. You can be an entrepreneur. You can work a corporate job. You can be an apprentice. Like you just have to know what works for you and your lifestyle. And like, don't compare yourself to anybody else's trajectory or their path, right? Because our story is written just for us. And so embrace that and don't look around too much, right? You can look around for inspiration. You can look around for, for joy. You can look around for mentors. But at the end of the day, you're, you're responsible. You know yourself more than anything and you know what's right for you. So always come back to yourself when you feel a little lost. 
that's a great place to leave it. Thank you so much, Bella, for joining us today. In the description below, you will have all the links to connect with Bella and also to utilize that promo code. Thank you so much, Bella. Yes, thank you so much. It was so fun. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok at Unstucked.